Well, dear ones, let's open to Galatians chapter 6 tonight and complete this brief mini-series that we have been partaking of here these last couple of Wednesdays. Galatians chapter 6 is where we will start. We'll read verses 9 and 10 to begin with and proceed from there. In Galatians chapter 6, beginning in verse 9, Paul says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. And we'll bow our heads once again. Heavenly Father, we praise you this evening, Lord, because you are praiseworthy. Father, you are good to us, you're kind to us, but Father, you're also uh, orderly, and you draw us, Father, that we might follow after your order because it is a blessing to us. So I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be faith-minded and Christ-minded, Lord, that we might accept the order that you have, the purpose that you have, the direction and the structure that you offer us in our lives, that we might do all things well. Father, help us not to grow weary in doing the good that you have for us to do. As we reflect Christ in our lives, Lord, help us to do so more and more, moment by moment, I pray, until you finish that work in us. I give you the glory tonight, Father. Finish us all the more this evening, I pray. By your word, in Jesus' name I ask, amen. Again, lesson three of this three-part series on how to judge in a godly and righteous manner. This third part that we're going to complete here uh, tonight, I don't necessarily count it entirely academic. I don't think it's anything that will be of any well groundbreaking substance to anybody. I trust that the Holy Spirit has his purposes and his uh, desire to be accomplished this evening because it's, well, I think that we know these things. But sometimes, as is much of the word uh, for us, it's reminders for us. Um, Whether we're talking about relationships and people or circumstances or scenarios of any type, of course, we've been considering that we need to judge and judge correctly. We need to, well, I put it through this three-part process, right? We need to assess, assess the circumstance, whatever it might be, however it presents. And we have, I don't know if dozens is too, too understating of the number of circumstances and things that come before us that we need to judge throughout the day and assess uh, according to how God would have us to. Uh, perhaps it's many more than that because simple thoughts come across our minds. We need to assess those thoughts and consider them, even if it's on the fly and very, very quick and fleeting, hand them over to the Lord. But we begin by whatever circumstance, whatever might come our way. Uh, We assess those things and determine how it might affect us, Um, how the Lord wants us to deal with those things, how it might impact us or the ones that we are responsible for or might influence spiritually, and what we're to do with that. We need to evaluate it according to the Lord's perspective, not just ours. After we've assessed that and looked at it for what it is, Well, it helps us to then uh, confess. And by confess, it doesn't mean simply saying, I have a wrongdoing, or go to someone and say, this is my issue. It's to at least confess to ourselves and go to the Lord. Confess before Him, this is the issue that I know that I have, or this is the vulnerability that I have in this circumstance. I recognize this, Lord. I recognize a potential for hypocrisy. I recognize a potential for this to cause me 
some measure of issue? Or is there some measure of issue here? Is this something that I need to deal with in myself at the present before I move forward uh, and deal with it in any other manner? Bringing it before the Lord, keeping it before the Lord between you and Him both. Keeping the proper frame of mind that hypocrisy not be borne out in front of anyone else and even in our hearts uh, alone. We need to trust him to lead us in our level of involvement there. If we're not called to deal with it, not called to have that in our lives and invite it into our lives, then we need to trust the Lord and confess before him that, yes, that is something that I need to remove from myself. And so, uh, what's, what's the purpose? Uh, that's what I prompted this next lesson to be, this lesson for tonight. What's the purpose for all this effort that we're, well, that we're expending in assessing the things that come before us and confessing these things before the Lord if we have issues or troubles in those things. It's not for nothing, obviously. Uh, as you look at, well, I've mentioned a number of times that it's not just Christians, but Christians have the reputation of being judgmental and the like. People are judgmental anyway. It doesn't matter what religious background they might have. We have a tendency to be judgmental. And why, why do we tend to judge? Why do we tend to criticize different individuals? I've been in different workspaces before and had those different ones where you could look at them and see that their whole mindset, it seems, from the time that they would come to work to the time that they would leave, is pointing out the flaws in everybody else, whether they're their peers or their superiors or those who are beneath them, whatever the situation might be. They tended to judge and say, issue, 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 problem, 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 error, 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 wrong, wrong, wrong. And what you find with those people, some are more vocal than others, obviously. What you find is people tend to do that because if you're pointing out all of the flaws with everybody else, then, well, certainly everyone will recognize that you don't share those same flaws. And it deflects, deflects from ourselves. At the very least, perhaps it makes us feel better about ourselves as we're pointing out the issues that other people have. It's not at all what God's purpose is for us when we judge. It's not at all in line with with what he has. Nick prayed that we would be tuned to God's will. If we're tuning in so that we might find that same wavelength that the Lord is on, if judging someone else so we can feel better about ourselves is part of it, then our frequency is going like this. Well, his is going this way. So we need to tune ourselves in. And that's not his purpose. What is his purpose? First Thessalonians 5.21, we've touched on this verse a number of times in this study. Test all things, hold fast what is good. So part of his purpose there is certainly to find what is good and hold fast to that. To grasp on to what's good in a circumstance. To grasp on to what's good in a relationship. To grasp on to what's good in the absence of that relationship. To grab on to what's good in the absence of a circumstance or in the dismissing of a circumstance. Whatever the case might be. Testing something that comes our way. And holding fast to what is good. And if there's nothing good, not holding fast at all. We understand this. This is God's purpose for judging. Uh, so that we might draw good, what's valuable, what's virtuous from anything that comes our way, if there's anything good to come from that. And so that third component that we had in our list there was to bless. We assess, we confess to the Lord what our issue is with that or what our relationship is with that, what our involvement, what our suspected involvement is, finding out what he wants for us. And then we seek in how we might bless 
in any capacity from that. And that is what finding good is. Blessing isn't just that I would bless someone else. Blessing involves my blessing God in a situation. Blessing involves my blessing myself. Not to be self-centered or self-focused, but to find whatever measure that true blessing, true goodness from the Lord and for the Lord and honor for Him might be ah, extracted from that situation. When we have assessed a circumstance and confessed where we might have a vulnerability in that circumstance, then we need to ask the Lord, how can I bless in this circumstance? And that's our third component for the night. Galatians 6 and verse 10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all. This is summing up that blessing element. Let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. To do good to all means to profit or benefit or bless anyone and everyone. In the household of faith especially, but Anyone and everyone. And you understand blessing is indeed something that must be. If it's a true blessing, it comes from the Lord. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. comes down from, from Him. If it's true blessing, well then it must be from His hand. So it has to, has to involve Him. And so, if we're looking to do good to all, then that can refer to the other party who is involved in our specific situation or relationship. It can refer to ourselves. It can refer to the Lord himself. He's at the top of the household of blessing, right? He's at, or the household of faith. He's at the very tip. Ultimately, it means blessing anyone else that possibly can be blessed as we take that opportunity to share the Lord. So, that being said, how can we bless? How can we do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith? How might we bless? And that, when you get right down to it, is why we seek the Lord in all circumstances. Why we seek Him, when I say all, you know what I mean. Perhaps it's a little bit hyperbolic when I say that. You know, I'm not asking the Lord if I should set that down for a second. Not asking Him if I should put my hand in my pocket, that sort of thing. But when we live and operate in the sphere of faith, even this, to some measure is done after having consulted the Lord. Because if we live for Him, we're here. If we live for Him, we've prepared to come in, and I'm not going to do something that's outside of His will just by reflex. If this was something that the Lord had said, don't you dare put this on the table, then I would make it my point not to do that. You see what I'm saying? Everything is done. Everything is operated, as I say quite often, through Christ-colored glasses. That's what we're intended to do. But that's why we seek Him. That's why we have an understanding of the Lord. That's why we seek the infilling of the Holy Spirit. That's why we seek His purpose and His focus on the Word and His teaching us the Word so that we might have that foundation, so that we might understand the Word, so we might understand more of who He is, what He wants from us, and how to apply those things in certain certain everyday circumstances so that those things can be reflexive to us. And then in those moments when things come across our plates that are a little bit unique, then we have that foundation, we have that understanding already, and we understand then we go to the Lord and say, Lord, I need some extra help in this situation. I am trying to assess this correctly, and I'm not sure how I can find blessing for anybody in this. And yet you brought it my way, and I feel like I'm intended to get involved in this situation. How might I bless here? That's what we want. We want the most blessing for anyone involved. When I used to be on the old job, one of our 
catchphrases of what we want to do when you come to a big burning building was do the most amount of good for the most amount of people. Oftentimes that involved writing off certain situations, certain pieces of that house, certain pieces of that building, even certain victims who were unrescuable. But to do the most amount of good for the most amount of people was the purpose. And that's what we're looking to do to a certain extent as God's people. It's to do the most amount of blessing for the most amount of people that God gives us the opportunity and privilege Privilege to bless. And so, that's what we want. We want the most blessing for anyone involved. So how does he do that? How, how does he typically have us operate in that regard and in those parameters? Well, number one, we might engage in a circumstance as it comes to us. If you turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we might be called by the Lord to get involved in an issue, to get involved in a circumstance again. I'm using the word circumstance as kind of a catch-all for everything, whether it's a relationship or a person or a situation or a scenario or a mindset or whatever the case might be. You insert it into your own respective life. When a circumstance comes before us, whatever the situation might be, God might call us to engage in that circumstance, to address that circumstance, to insert ourselves or get involved with that issue. Again, broad Broad perspective. He might have you take action in a situation. He might have you invite something into your life and make it a part of your ongoing life completely. He might call you to engage. Uh, in First Thessalonians chapter 5, we can see it as it pertains to people. That might be what the Lord has for us, uh, for our circumstance, in dealing with a person or persons. Paul says in First Thessalonians 5, in verse 14, he says, Now we exhort you, brethren, because he's engaging with the Thessalonians. The Lord put those ones in his path, along with Ephesus, along with Philippi, along with Rome, Laodicea, all these people that he wrote to, that he engaged with, that he ministered to, all of these ones were circumstances to Paul. He says, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all, as these circumstances come before you. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, well, both for yourselves and for all. Do the most amount of good for the most amount of people, yourself included. I don't have this in my notes, but just since it fits here, you do understand that a lot of what we do when we're seeking to bless others is going to be rebuffed. You understand that? We take opportunity to speak and witness and testify and bear out witness. And the vast majority, I would say, of those people that we bear witness to are going to say, oh, thank you, but no thanks. Or, got it, understood. You people who have invited people to church, how many of you, the vast majority of the people you've invited to church have shown up, stuck around? Not a hand showing here. Sure, I'll come to church. And you don't see him. Yeah, yeah, you know, I think I will. That sounds really good. I've been looking for a home church. And they don't. They don't even come. It is, it is what it is, right? Say that kind of frequently. But the bottom line is, is you're looking to pursue good both for all, but even if they push back, are we still blessed in obeying the Lord and those things? Of course we are. Of course we are. Is that good for me? Absolutely it is. Because the Lord draws me nearer as I draw nearer to Him. Well, and try to become a fisher of men of sorts. The Lord gives us good as well. Paul speaks of engaging with people in their respective needs to the Thessalonians. He speaks of engaging with them in different ways, perhaps. You can see, well, varying measures of involvement, varying measures of seriousness, of, of firmness here, right? Sometimes blessing comes with 
Well, testing the relationship. Really, well, really pushing the, the fringes of, of conflict. When it says there in verse 14, warn those who are unruly. How often do you think that that bodes very well for just the, the comfort level between two people? If you're going to warn someone who's unruly, that means that you need to recognize that they're unruly. That means that you need to let them know that they are unruly. You need to warn them so, and that doesn't tend to sit very well. You've assessed the situation. It means that you've confessed your own situation before the Lord, and he says, this isn't your, an issue that you are dealing with. This is something I've already dealt with you with, putting it aside, and we're going to go and we're going to minister to this one. Or, this was never your issue. Move in and, and take care of this work that I have for you. And then you have to go tell them so. You ever warn someone that they're unruly? Uh, I myself don't enjoy it. I know some people do. Some people, some people enjoy that, that sort of thing. You're out of line, bro. No, man, you need, to, you need to get back into line. Some people take a wrong type of joy out of that. Some people do find the joy in actually doing it with the promise, with the hope. The benefit will come from it. Blessing will come from it. And that's what I want to do as I warn those who are unruly. Um, doesn't always get received that way, right? They um, better have it right. You better have it right if you're going to warn someone who's unruly. But when the Lord calls you to, you have it right. You have it right and invest yourself into that purpose. If he has led you in engaging with that one, there's no doubt. That's what his desire is and blessing's going to come. Whether they receive it or not, it's going to come here. And blessing and good will be a result of that. Uh, Luke chapter 6, returning to this passage that we've considered a couple of times. Luke chapter 6 and verse 39 says this. It says, He spoke a parable to them. And Jesus said, Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? Do you suppose the Lord wants anyone to fall into the ditch? He doesn't. This is why we confess ourselves before the Lord after we've assessed something. We look at it and say, Lord... This used to be my issue. I used to struggle with this. And you've dealt with this in my life. I recognize this. I don't want to put myself back in this sort of situation. Unless you have me in this. Unless you are going to strengthen and you're going to help. That's why we confess before the Lord. Uh, We understand our own struggles and understand our potential for hypocrisy. And the Lord sometimes uses us in those situations. Oftentimes uses us because he doesn't want you to fall back into the ditch and he doesn't want them to fall into the ditch, so to speak. So when he's dealt with something in us, he might well choose to deal with them through us as he goes on in verse 41. He says, And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Brother, let me remove the speck that is, in your, that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye. Hypocrite. Then it goes on to say, First remove the plank from your own eye. Well, at some point, if you have given that to the Lord, you've allowed Him to do that work. It's not us doing the work. It's coming before Him and offering that to Him. And when He pulls that plank out, and He's healed that big old hole that was in your eye, so to speak, There are times when the Lord will remove something entirely from us, completely from us. There are other times when a big scar might be present. We confess before the Lord when we encounter something along those lines then. After he's dealt, Lord, 
I know the struggle I've had with this. I know the past that I have with this, the experience I have with this. I have experienced this in the flesh. And he might remind us, you've experienced it in the Spirit as well. And now, by my strength, I'm going to enable you. Enable you to, well, then you'll see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. Perhaps warning the unruly, as Paul was talking about a moment ago. He will call you to engage in that circumstance. And he will lead you in that circumstance. And saints, if you go in his strength, having assessed and confessed, he'll bring blessing out of that as well. He will bring good to come from that. It might be much more passive. It might not be warning the unruly. It might not be something that's hashtag awkward between you and that other person. It might not be that at all. It might be something a lot more passive. Back in 1 Thessalonians 5.14 where it says, Now we exhort you, brethren, comfort the faint-hearted. It might be something much sweeter like comforting them and upholding the weak and being patient with all. There's a place where we can bless by encouraging someone. Even if they are in, the, in, a, well, in a bad state, I guess you could say, in the Lord. In a difficult state. Doesn't mean that we affirm them in sin, not by any means. It doesn't mean that we pat them on the back and say, you're okay as you are, God has grace, and etc., etc. You've heard different ones, well, different ones under the banner of faith express that sometimes. You're good. We're under grace. Carry on, essentially. That's not what we're called to do. But we can be called to encourage those ones who are faint-hearted, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, being patient with all. In Ezekiel 13, the second part of verse 22, uh, God promised woe upon those ones who were guilty of strengthening the hands of the wicked so that he does not turn from his wicked way to save his life. Doing that is not to bless somebody. It isn't blessing someone to affirm them in their unfaithfulness, to encourage them in their sin or carnality. But it is encouraging one. It is blessing to one. When you express to them or find, uh, what's the word, commonality, I guess, not shared current commonality, but finding something in common, what you've dealt with, and helping that one, not the blind leading the blind, but the once blind leading the blind up and out of the ditch. We don't encourage them to fall into the ditch. We lean upon our own experience with the Lord to draw them out. That's what it is oftentimes to strengthen strengthen those ones. Encourage those ones who, well, comforting the faint-hearted, upholding the weak when they are weak. It's letting them know where our strength comes from. Uh, that's how the Lord can call us to engage. Uh, now, just as the Lord calls us to engage sometimes, He can call us to disengage from someone. That can be a means by which we bless. Is disengaging from certain circumstances. You know, we had a, there was a football game this last Sunday. I don't know if anyone knew it. I just heard it in passing afterward. <laughs> I just lied straight from the pulpit. That's not cool. There are times when, times when we're called to disengage, and as I was thinking about that football game, man, there's, there's no, no question. I love football. And I love the ins and outs of it. Talked with Bobby and my dad at length the other day, and dad says, you know what, I watch the game, and it's like, move the ball. Move the ball and, and get it into the end zone. He says, Greg, yeah, I don't get into all the, all the, you know, the symphony that it is. He didn't say those words. But, man, I look at it. It's artwork to me, man. I love football. I love the strategy. I love all the ins and outs of it and all that. But regardless, 
One of the things I really enjoy is the offensive line play. And I don't want to talk over anyone's heads who's not a football fan. I don't want to take this too long. But I really enjoy an offensive line. It's the guys who are in the front of the quarterback, and the ball's supposed to go that way, and these big, brutish guys. Big 300-plus pounders oftentimes. And they're essentially intended to move forward against that defense that's trying to keep them from moving forward. And so I thought to myself about how it's interesting how we're just a bunch of offensive linemen in the Lord. Oftentimes we're called to engage the person straight across from us. That offensive lineman oftentimes comes off of the line and he's called to grab that guy and make him do what he wants him to do. Simply move that man from point A to point B entirely against his will so that the football can move forward. Other times he's called to stand still and allow the defense to come to him as he's protecting for the pass or something like that. Uh, just kind of supporting as needed. But one of my favorite plays, I love watching it. Uh, it's, it's called, a, well, you can have a pull or a stunt or something like that. And you've got a lineman. Perhaps he's a right guard on the right side or even the right tackle or something like that. And this big guy, instead of moving forward and grabbing the guy in front of him or waiting for the big guy to come and, and grab him, they'll snap that ball and all of a sudden this 300-pounder is yanking back and he completely disengages from all contact from the guy in front of him and he runs behind the line and goes that way because that's the direction that the ball is going that's the direction that the play is going and if that guy does what he's supposed to he completely disengages from the person in front of him and he meets the quarterback right here or the running back right here and he is dispensing justice as he moves like a bulldozer just knocking down every last person in front Getting that ball, in, well, where it needs to go. It's called pulling. That offensive guard or offensive lineman, that offensive tackle pulls and disengages. And maybe that's just asking too much from that illustration. But it's so clear to me when I think about that. The Lord sometimes has us full on grab on to that circumstance and hang on to it and move it to where He wants it to be. Sometimes he has us sit still and let that defense come to us. And other times he says, you let go and I want you to meet me over there and we're going to dispense justice, so to speak, as we're moving that ball forward. Saints, sometimes the greatest blessing that we can do, the greatest blessing in a circumstance is found in disengaging ourselves from the work that we would want to do there. Sometimes that's the best blessing that we can do is completely withdrawing and heading in a different direction because the Lord has us going over there. It's that approach that we'll look at 1 Corinthians 15.33. It's not typical that this verse is used in that context, I would say. There in 1 Corinthians 15.33, Paul says, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. He goes on to say, Awake to righteousness and do not sin. Now, if you want to look at this, I, this is, you know, tell me who your friends are, I'll tell you who you are, right? Evil company corrupts uh, good habits. I believe in the King James Version, it's evil communication. Is that right? Evil communication corrupts good morals, or there are a number of different translations. I've seen this written out a number of different times. But it all means essentially the same. Well, I'll break it down this way. Evil means wicked, right? It means wicked. But this word also carries that thought of lacking, insufficient, not what it's supposed to be. You know, this, if this water was, was, here's a cup of water for you. 
And sometimes I don't drink water out of this cup for a long time, and there's almost little fish swimming around in it, and there's something floating on the top, and it gets real gnarly and real nasty. So I say, I have a cup of water for you, and I give it to you. I'm like, that's some evil water, man. This is lacking. Yeah, it's water, but it's not what it's intended to be. It's not good, fresh. It's not a cup of water. It's a cup of swill is what it is. And so it's saying it doesn't measure up. It's lacking. Company that doesn't measure up. Company means communication in the King James, or it's translated communication. It means conversation. It means interaction. And going along with our very illustration tonight, it means engagement. Lacking engagement. Uh, Engagement with a circumstance that isn't up to snuff. Engaging with something when the Lord says, this isn't what I have for you, or I want this amount of engagement, or I want you to pull and go this way. If we go and we grab that and we seize that anyway, or He wants us to seize it, and instead we run the other way and try to pull and go someplace else, whatever engagement or lack of engagement that's there when the Lord doesn't have it for us, it's lacking. It's not sufficient. It's wrong. It's evil. And evil company is going to corrupt. If you are engaging in something or bringing something into your life or eliminating something from your life that God doesn't have for us or would have for us, then we're corrupting ourselves. And it becomes the wrong type of engagement or disengagement, whatever the case might be. It becomes corrupt. If keeping company or keeping fellowship or keeping involvement or maintaining engagement with a person or a situation or a circumstance or a practice isn't what God desires for us, whatever it might be, whether it's because of our weakness or someone else's weakness or just God's plan for something or someone else or, well, for some other reason that I don't have listed in my notes. Some other reason that the Lord knows that it is entirely up to Him to determine. If If keeping company with something is not what God desires for us, then that company is lacking. And if it is lacking, it will corrupt us. It will make us lesser than what we're intended to be. Corrupt means shriveling up. And it will shrivel up the blessing and the measure of blessing that is capable to be extracted from that situation or circumstance. If it's not where the Lord would have us or where He would have us, then it's going to corrupt the blessing that comes from that. We cannot bless to the fullest measure if we aren't engaging where we should or if we are engaging where we shouldn't. No matter how bad we want to grapple that, no matter how bad we want to let this go and go over here, I'm going to go lay someone out over here. No, you're intended to stand right here and let that lineman come up to you and hit you full square in the chest and you just stand there. Stand there and don't get knocked down or whatever the case might be. And maintaining that football metaphor. You might not be equipped to pull and go over there. You might not be equipped to stand here and take on that lineman. He wants you to go that way because he'll quicken you for that and so on and so forth. No matter how much sense it might make to you to stop and engage something or to entirely disengage from something, God may well be taking the play a different direction. He might have a completely different plan for you that you weren't planning for. That's why godly judgment, and the reason why we're having these lessons, how to judge in a godly manner, how to assess, confess, and bless in the way that God would have us to, that's why it's important for us to recognize, well, His Word, the need for the Spirit, the need to understand what He has, and the willingness to listen when He's trying to tell us 
Godly judgment is crucial for us to execute the game plan that the Lord has for us. I'm killing this football illustration. Killing it. Now, whatever course that God has for us to take, circumstance after circumstance and scenario after scenario, whatever the situation might be, relationship after relationship, whatever the course is that God has for us to take, his intention is us for us his intention is for us to bless in those circumstances. Blessing for us and blessing for others. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. God is going to work out good for his people, even when his people, even when I decide that I'm going to do something foolish. God is going to work good for his people. He can even work good in my foolishness. But if I want to push back on what God would have for me, God's plan is to take the ball that way and I want to go engage in something else, His good is going to take place. His blessing is going to take place. I just won't be partaking of it to the measure that I could. Either being part of distributing that or receiving it. That's just how it is. It's crucial that we walk in tune in league with our Father, according to His purpose. It's crucial that we, He's called us according to His purpose. Now walk in it. Walk in the way. Walk in a manner that's worthy of that calling. It's important to judge rightly. It's important to assess rightly. It's important to bring every circumstance to the Lord and find out His will in it. And then to move forward so that we might bless. Who has known the mind of the Lord that He may instruct Him? Not me. <laughs> But we have the mind of Christ that he might instruct us through that. We have the word of God that he might instruct us through that. We have the Holy Spirit that he might instruct us through that and teach us and give us this understanding, give us this knowing his word, and giving us the wisdom and discernment so that we might bear it out and be the blessing that the Lord intends for us to be. Saints, we can be reflexive in a lot of different things, having an understanding of who the Lord is reflexive in knowing I'm not supposed to see this I'm not going to look I'm not going to watch that I'm not supposed to go over there that's super simple I, I have no business walking into that place some things are just reflexive I'm not supposed to talk like that it's it's not difficult to not use those words because I know what the Lord would have for me I would I know what the Lord doesn't want for me so some things are just reflexive but those more unusual circumstances and those Scenarios that come our way that prompt us to stop and think, wow, Lord, I need some help with this, assessing this. Those are the things where we need that discernment and we need that judgment. And we can seek that judgment from him so that we might make the right judgment, being prepared for those things, those unusual circumstances. And saints, if we take the time, take the time to have the foundation of the word. And then take the time to look at those things as they come our way. And take the time to consider our past with them and what the Lord has done in us and through us. And then allow Him to continue to work in us and through us. Blessing will indeed come. Now, it's tiring sounding because it is tiring. It's tiring to study the Word. It's tiring to seek the Spirit. It's tiring to look at everything that comes our way and think, bad, 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 good, good, good. It's tiring to take those things to the Lord. It's tiring when we run into those unusual circumstances and say, I don't know. And I'm pounding my head and pounding my head and going to the Lord and going to the Lord. I was talking with Brother Gary right before service. 
And we're both in agreement that it's those things that the Lord brings in front of us that force us to our knees that is a real blessing to us because we wouldn't do it perhaps otherwise. How can we, uh, how can we dismiss as troublesome or, or less than awesome those things that would force us to come in the presence of the Lord? Don't dismiss those things. Uh, value the time that you spend puzzling over things as you bring them before the Lord. It can be tiring. It can be uh, wearing you out emotionally to judge righteously, but we aren't given a pass from that, and I thank the Lord for that. He tells us, let us not grow weary while doing good. You might be tired, but don't grow wearisome in those things. Don't submit to the weariness. Do not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. So let's do as the Lord directs us. He who is spiritual judges all things. Test all things. Test them. Assess them. Assay them. Recognize them. Prove them. And hold fast what is good, what glorifies God, what furthers His plan, what benefits the play that He has called, so to speak. What blesses us and others to the very fullest possible extent that he has for us. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Saints, assess every circumstance that comes before you with the mind of Christ. Confess to yourself and to the Lord where you're yet struggling with those circumstances and ask Him what He would have you to do with that. Ask Him for deliverance and strength in those things. And then obey His direction and you will bless Him and you'll bless those ones that are within your sphere of influence again. And you will certainly be blessed yourself as you glorify God in those things. Seek to judge righteously and do well for the Lord, child of God.